Beyond FM. St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. The 314. St. Louis. Beyond FM. The best of everything STL. They said it was just a good story. One that would soon come to an end. They expected us to be satisfied with how far we've come. We're not satisfied. We're here to prove that the past is merely a point of reference and not a predictor of the future. Our team is relentless. We've overcome adversity. We've delivered at the most crucial times. Do you think we have their attention now? You think they can hear us? It's bigger than us. It's about our city. All of us, together, pushing towards the same goal. This is about our dream. About chasing immortality. A collective idea. A singular goal. Do you want it? Do you want to be a part of the greatest time in our history? Together, we're going to dig deep and give everything we have because this, this is all we know. Our eyes are on the ultimate goal. This is about writing a story that will be told for generations to come. And they think we're at the end. Hey, buddy, we're still here. Parental discretion is strongly advised. It's sports and local music wrapped up into one. It's Hat Tricks with Patrick on Beyond FM. Regulators, mount up!
the best of everything STL Beyond FM. What's happening? It's Pat in the studio for a new episode of Hattricks with Patrick. I just got to say that name may change here pretty soon, but you know, Tony created such a badass intro for this podcast. I may just have to keep it. Hopefully y'all are doing great. We are about Oh, a couple weeks after the third anniversary show over at Pops. Just got to give a shout out to all the artists that showed up that night and made it one of the most incredible evenings in recent memory. Seriously, that was an awesome show. Back inside the studio here for uh, the sports show here on Beyond FM. As always, make sure you are downloading the Beyond FM 24-7 app on iOS and Android And, you know, you can listen to all the great artists that St. Louis has to offer. We have so many great music musicians coming in through on Beyond FM that you need to check out. Don't be sleeping on the St. Louis scene. It just gets better and better since we have started this whole thing. We are now into year three. Think about that for a second. Year three. And we are putting on concerts. And speaking of which, you can check out the concert calendar at beyondfm247.com. Check out the website. And as always, listen, love, promote. Back in the studio, a couple weeks ago, we had the wild and free in the studio here in my new studio. My studio, myself, you know, I put in pretty much the time and effort. Got a new desk. Got an awesome captain's chair. I am so stoked about. And I'm just overall excited to get this show back going. Uh, we got so many artists that actually want to want to come in and be on the show uh, during the third anniversary show. You know, I talked to Jared Gleason from the 45 crystal O'Connor gorilla J from Egan's rats, Dan O'Connor. He wants to come on and be on the show. Yeah. Johnny Irish going to talk about some MMA stuff. So Tony is not in on this episode. You know, I may end up having him in another episode. Actually, I do have my co-host, Doug Moore. I will introduce him here in a little bit. Just want to get the quick intro in and uh, let you all know that this is going to be a different show. It's going to be great. We're going to talk some Cardinals baseball. We're going to talk a lot of Cardinals baseball. We're going to talk some blues hockey and all the craziness that's been going on for the offseason and continuing on. Definitely going to talk some football. Hopefully, you know, some Battle Hawks back here in St. Louis. Definitely cannot wait for the Battle Hawks or whatever XFL team they decide to put here in the 314. Getting a look at the concert calendar. Beth Bombra and Middle Class Fashion, July 29th at Off Broadway. It's an all ages show. Tickets are $15. Westwood and special guest starter jackets, August 6th at the conservatory, $10 in advance, $15 day of the show, August 6th off Broadway. It's daytime television stroker and sweetheart, $10 in advance, $12 day of the show. It's an all ages show, August 6th off 
Broadway. Looking ahead towards August 20th, we got Whiskey War Fest Barbecue off Broadway. $10 in advance, twelve or $15 day of the show. Hunter Pebbles, the Manist Brothers, Old Capitol Square Dance Club, Honky Tonk Airline, and so many more. The Dropout Kings hit up Red Flag August 25th with special guests Normandy and Egan's Rats. This is an all-ages show. Doors open at 7, and the show starts at 8. $20 in advance, $25 at the door. The Raging Nathans Off-Broadway, presented by Beyond FM, September 1st. The Raging Nathans with Haddonfield's Breakmouth, Annie's Slow Death, Thursday, September 1st. It's an all-ages show. For more information, check out beyondfm247.com for the concert calendar. You know, you can also follow us along on uh, Twitter, which we're not really tweeting all that much, but Facebook, Instagram, even we're on TikTok, making funny TikToks pretty much all the time. So back to the show itself. So Tony was my original co-host. You know, he's not the biggest sports fan. So I decided to uh, bring in an outside perspective, somebody that's not in really beyond FM just yet, but my man, Doug Moore, I'm going to introduce him just in a little bit and you know we're gonna talk sports and we're gonna have some artists definitely come in through at later dates you know i got a whole list of people that i've had to pretty much tell hey you know i'll put you on the list you're definitely gonna be on the show i'm gonna have you in the studio for sure uh i'm gonna try to avoid putting gorilla j on the air for a while just kidding jeff just kidding you know that guy he has been killing it in the gym recently. If you have not seen Gorilla J's progress picks, the dude is a beast. I have like fallen off myself. So I definitely going to have uh, Jay kick my ass here in the next couple of weeks and try to get back on track. You know, mental health stuff, you know, it's, it's a mixture of things. I just having issues eating right, having issues trying to get to the gym as much as possible, issues with my foot and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, Gorilla J has been keeping me accountable and basically kicking my ass when I need it. And I've been trying to do the same for him. So we'll talk about that whenever I can get him in the, in the studio and on the show for sure. Going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and I'm going to have Doug in. We're going to talk about what's up with him and talk about some things that he's got going on. Give him a good introduction. And then we're going to talk some sports Introduce him to some St. Louis music. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on Beyond FM. It's the best of everything. STL Beyond FM back inside the studio. And joining with me is my new co-host, Mr. Doug Moore. Douglas, how's it going? I was doing great today. Thank you for having me. Well, you're going to be a mainstay. So basically, you don't have to thank me for having you just yet. When I end up kicking you off, then, yeah, then we'll have to re, uh, put that back in, basically. So do do everybody a favor, introduce yourself a little bit, and then do us all a favor, too, and tell us about the uh, Corporal Jacob Madden Foundation. So, yeah, so my name's Doug Warren from St. Louis, uh, born and raised here. I am the CEO of the Corporal Jacob Madden Foundation, which is a foundation to bring awareness to suicide in the military and veteran communities. So what we do is we are raising money to send veterans and military service members to rehab facilities um, to knock the number of suicides down. 
So we had a, an event uh, a couple nights ago. And uh, how did we do that night? Because it was a rock and roll bingo. My first time ever hosting a rock and roll bingo. And I got to say, I got I got an itch to do it again, in all honesty. Yeah, it was a great night. Uh, we raised a good amount of money. Um, all in all, we raised roughly $3,500 to uh, start sending people to rehab facilities. Um, rehab is about $60,000 for a 30-day program, so we still have a long way to go. Um, our 50-50 did take a split of $1,045 for our very first 50-50 as a foundation. That's awesome. That's awesome. We had a really good turnout. Are we planning? Are you planning on doing another event here pretty soon, or what's the future hold with that when it comes to or doing like another rock and roll bingo or something like that? So yeah, so we are uh, in talks with a couple other organizations right now. We're looking at doing a cornhole tournament coming this September. Uh, September is Suicide Awareness Month, so it's a. I have to say, I'm keeping my tongue from wanting to go and lose my shit and just basically correct you and call it bags. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, so that's a huge month for us. Um, so we'll make sure to get some bags in there for you, Pat. And then probably February, March, we're shooting right now for another rock and roll uh, style bingo. Um, may change his name up a little bit, change genres. I mean, the genre, the genres we used last night weren't too bad. I got to say, uh, some editing needed to be done for some of the music and whatnot. But, hey, I felt it was an overall great experience the other night doing that. And I could feel like you, you – I could see the look on your face. You were so proud of everything that you had done up to that point. And, you know, your mom was there, and she was proud of you. Your whole, A lot of your family members were there, and they were just – they were just watching you go around the room. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was a great night. I felt completely honored for everyone that showed up. Um, we roughly had about 83 people show up the other night for it. Um, sat down, and actually every table won some type of prize that night. Really? Between door prizes, um, actual bingo prizes, to the raffle, to the baskets, to the silent auction, Every single table won something. And I got to give a shout out to a few of the people that were uh, that I know there was a few people that would definitely uh, that I remember winning. Can't remember everybody offhand, but I got to give a shout out to some of the sponsors from that. Actually, that gave away some of the gifts. I know the uh, Holiday World and Splash and Safari, even though they're not really local all that much, they actually gave out a prize. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, Holiday World, Splash and Safari gave out a prize. The St. Louis uh, Zoo gave out a year membership, which is actually really cool. Uh, that came with a stuffed animal. Uh, which your brother won that. Yes, my brother did win that, even though he picked up the prize himself. Um, Helium Club donated. Uh, shout out to them. Great comedy club. Uh, the one that I was able to, or actually the two that I was able to procure, uh, Danny Ray from uh, Quality Pro Detailing over in Fairview. Make sure you look them up. He actually donated a detailing uh, for a car. So that was a pretty expensive type of situation that somebody won last night. Uh, Rockstar Taco de- donated a prize. 
uh, I think it was a shirt, some Rockstar dust, and a gift card to go to Rockstar Taco over off uh, Shaw and Kings Highway. Not sure who won that, but I am completely jealous. And I know you have not been there yet over at Rockstar Taco. I have not. And actually, a uh, member of Thursday Night Bingo actually took that home, uh, Robert Hale. He actually just bought tickets the night of the event, and we ran into him a couple days beforehand, and that's who took that home. That's awesome. And uh, shout-out to uh, Rebecca and Will Pelly of Rockstar Taco for donating uh, for the Rock and Roll Bingo from the other night. That was a, that oh, that was a great experience for me from just, you know, being a friend of yours and just watching you run around the room and just you were motivated. You were definitely motivated to just make that overall successful night. And you did a great job that night. Thank you. Yeah, it was definitely a very stressful night um, from the get go, but we made it work and everything turned out perfect. I, I'll admit I wasn't sure how we were going to make it work out in all honesty, but I think we did an overall really great job. So you said we're doing a bags tournament, hopefully in sometime in the fall when it's not 120 fucking degrees outside for Christ's sake. Yeah. I mean, it, it almost turned out bad. We did forget the bingo cards to start the night off. So you're welcome. By the way, I managed to uh, remember those. <laughs> All right. So where can we find uh, some more information? If people want to make a donation, people want to find out more information, where can we find all the information about the Corporal J Jacob Madden Foundation? Yeah, so we have a Facebook page that you guys can look at. It's the Corporal Jacob Madden Foundation Facebook page. We're also on Instagram. Not much on the gram yet. But if you message me on Facebook, I do reply very quickly um, usually as soon as I get the message, I'll reply back to you. Um, big shout out to Corporal Jacob Mann's mom, who is a big sponsor um, of what we do. I couldn't do a lot of the stuff without her right now. That's awesome. All right, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we are going to talk uh, some Cardinals baseball. Are you down with that? I'm perfectly down with that. All right, we'll be right back here on Beyond FM.
is the best of everything STL. This is Beyond FM 24-7, St. Louis. Yeah, 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 I'm accurate, hey. Yeah, yeah, hey, Primo, what up? Yeah, yeah, let's pick one. Yeah, yeah, hey, Shane, what up? I got you, um. Check, look, ah, let him hate. I'm nice when I write, I can fight. Boss known to offer your life. Harbor the sights, the culturistic heights with a price. I'ma talk and they don't wanna hear this type of advice. This revelation was clear. Here to this ill logic, I'm separating my fear. What appears to be here or not miss. Another mission with mahogany chain. And we juggle jogging again. The opposition is pain. Dripping the rings, back with adventures, the tacticians. Lack interest, catch your body, we back spitting. Double up, no we better than one. Been elevating this gift like the river to run. And yo, it's BIC, capital K, yo, any destroy anything in the way. And there's plenty of this nonsense. We've been accomplished with this comp sense. Do it for the people like comp sense. We got this. This rap set been a testimony you're living. Determine every factor of inspiration that's given. Mixed with the past of your person, fighting a vision. Illustrates the facts that purpose is what you're getting. My soul been dope, I give hope for the hope. That hoping inside these lines should be embraced. Uh, hey yo, it's been the cycle of your life, so don't worry, everything will be alright. Uh-huh. Pick one. Uh, don't get it twisted, y'all. Uh, hey yo, it's P to the I to the C. Pick one. Uh, don't get it twisted, y'all. Uh-huh. Uh, hey yo, it's K, yo, homie. Yeah, yeah. My verb is wordplay, my flow is so chic I go silver back gorilla at any moment I peak See my speech is written unilaterally I breathe KO, you could become a casualty It's P-I-C-K-O-N-E, my brand is self-made Ain't nobody owning me, I'm quite particular Look at what I've done, they say there's power in numbers So I became the one, look, I run tracks like I'm raps Alice and Felix could say I'm dope and I'll even dab if you mean it My gift to gab manifested from my notepad It's acting, James, just building on what we both had I got the vocab, ain't about this braggadocio I just wanna write what I know like Maya Angelou New rappers lack hunger's what they say But they ignore the fact that they taught them what to crave That cash money and it's too easy to say After a few purchases, you got a full plate But misfits is on the mission Spitting, switching positions, then spitting again It's all power in the end Ain't got time for what focus, bear an hour for a friend Building nations of what was stating is flagrant. Creation is life, and life is what you make it. Uh. Pick one. Don't get it twisted, y'all. Recognize, recognize, recognize. Hey, yo, it's P to the I to the C. Recognize, recognize, recognize. Pick one. Don't get it twisted, y'all. Recognize, recognize, recognize. Hey, yo, it's K, yo, homie. Jamming out to some of the best of the local scene here in St. Louis. It's Beyond FM. 
the best of everything STL. You are listening to a new edition of the Hat Tricks with Patrick. Again, I may change the name. You know, I may keep it. Doug, what do you think? Oh, the, we're going baseball now. Maybe we should do something different. Well, I mean, the overall feel is sports, so that's why it's called the Hat Tricks. So, we don't, talking have, to, we don't have three teams here no more, Pat. Hey, you never know. You never know if the Battle Hawks coming back or whatever team the Rock wants to call uh, the football team here in St. Louis. So, Cardinals baseball sitting a game and a half behind Milwaukee for the lead in the Central Division. Basically where we thought they would be, but then again, not exactly where they thought they would be, we thought they would be. You know, I think the beginning of the season, everybody said that the Brewers were kind of basically going to run away with the division. It was the Brewers division to win. They had the better pitching and the kind of better overall offense that the Cardinals were kind of lacking and the better kind of defense. But, you know, the Cardinals are hanging in there. They're just not winning the games they need to win. And then they face off against some of the better teams and they kind of get thrashed around a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the biggest problem with the Cardinals is they've always been a fighting team. So every year they may start off super hot and but they will scratch and claw their way right into the playoffs. Um the Cardinals do need to find some type of pitching that will uh, be consistent because this uh going 2-3 games of having good pitchers but 6 games of not finding a a ball in the strike zone's got to stop. I mean, not even just that. It's the pitchers that can't even go longer than like six innings. The starters can't go past like six innings unless your name is Adam Wainwright. And even then, he his uh, pitch count's still getting up in the 90s, almost to the 100s. I don't know how he's going to last through August because right now it's hotter than shit in St. Louis and pretty much everywhere else they are playing. So it is definitely going to start wearing and tearing on those starters, especially – a starter of his advanced age, though. Yeah, especially with uh, Wainwright, uh, I believe just a week or so ago, was at 80 pitches in the third inning. Um, it was shut down baseball, no no runs, but you can't be having 80 pitches in three innings and thinking you're going to go deep in the game. Uh, Steven Matz apparently just went back to the 15-day DL after coming off the 15-day DL literally days prior for a shoulder strain. Now he's going down because of a knee strain. He goes five and a third this past Saturday, gets the win, and then immediately goes back to the disabled list. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with uh, not doing enough conditioning. When you're coming off of a 15-day disabled list for a shoulder, you're not thinking about doing the rest of your conditioning um, because mostly in those rehab uh, situations, your your main function is to regain strength in whatever the injury spot was at. So the main – so from – you would say that he's basically just taking time off and he's not doing his enough, nearly enough cardio. But then again, would you, you want to be running outside right now? Oh, no, that's why I don't run. There's a reason <laughs> I'm fat. I don't run. Um, when it's 106 degrees outside, I should be cutting my grass right now, and I'm inside my AC because it's not happening. I mean, the, you're not wrong. We've been, Me and Chrissy have been practically begging you to cut the grass here for the last week, but hey. Anyways, no rain, no cut. Can't kill the grass. Talking about the elephant in the room, though, with all the trade rumors that are surrounding the Cardinals right now. I mean, it's like every other day we wake up and there's a new possible trade for Juan Soto from the Washington Nationals. And then you wake up the next day and it's all of a sudden we're in the 
then they're running to get a new somebody else instead. You know, apparently if we woke I woke up this morning and it's Zach Plesak from the Cleveland Indians or the Cleveland Guardians. That just can't, that name just came out of nowhere. And word is too that they're looking at Frankie Montas from the Oakland A's, which in all honesty, he was on the Cardinals radar during the offseason. They just did not pull the trigger on that trade, though. With the Cardinals, what they really need to focus on is if they're going to go for Juan Soto, who do we get rid of? I've seen rumors, Dylan Carlson uh, being on top of that list, and then some prospects. But the Cardinals really need to be looking at a pitching. If we keep having, we have, I think, four pitchers on the IL right now. Um, and and they're relying too heavily on guys that keep having to, like, rely on the taxi squad coming from Memphis and Springfield. You know, Johan Oviedo, who couldn't get couldn't buy a win last season when he was pit, when he was in the starting position or in the starting rotation, he couldn't buy a win. You know, he'd get through at least four or five innings and then either implode or he was not getting the run support. Or by the time he was out, you know, the Cardinals would come back and win. He, I think he had one win out of almost like 12, 13 starts from last season. And it was a big deal when they made, when he got his first win. Like, they made a bigger deal than normal for a, a young pitcher getting his first win. Yeah, and another big thing is the Cardinals seem to find that uh, that permanent closer. Uh, we took our permanent closer from the last, last couple seasons, even though he was out with injury from a Tommy John surgery last year. But Jordan Hicks is not a starting pitcher. No, he was. I mean, granted, when he first came into the big leagues, he was supposed to be a starting pitcher. He was supposed to be a starting pitcher, and that was like the overall goal. Then Mike Matheny touched him. Well, yeah, and Schilt didn't do him any favors either. Schilt kind of overused him when they were in the back end of the bullpen. But when he was drafted, he was supposed to be a starting pitcher, and he was supposed to be this next coming of like this, like a fireballer. And, you know, it worked out great. He was doing good when he was in Memphis, but when they needed him in St. Louis, they used him as a closer, and he's great. And then, of course, Tommy John surgery because, as we all know, you cannot consistently fire 104 to 107-mile-an-hour fastball without the repercussions on the elbow. Well, not just that. I mean, if he would have been stretched out as a starter from the get-go, we could be looking at the next Randy Johnson right now. For a right-hander, at least. But the problem is, is he was a closer – least that's what he was uh formed to be which is great i hate to be the batter on the other end in the ninth inning knowing i have to be clutch and going up against a 105 mile an hour fastball where the catcher has to get an extra padding glove just to catch you his change up and his curve and i think it was a slider his slider was topping out at 90 mile 90 to 95 mile an hour 90 to 95 miles an hour. Yeah, he's a three-pitch pitcher, and all three pitches are in the 90s. <laughs> They're nuts, and those and two of them are not supposed to be going that fast. We have a closing pitcher throwing three pitches in the 90s, and we have a starting pitcher who, if he hits 90 with his fastball, that's a great day. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's a repercussion again because of uh, Tommy John surgery with Adam Wainwright. Right. I mean, Adam started off his career with the Cardinals as the closer. Uh, when, when they won the 2006 World Series, he was the closer to uh, Yadier Molina. Yeah, and I remember where I was for that one. That was, a, that was a great game for sure, even though I missed it. I was listening to it on the bus coming back from, uh, from a football game. 
At least you were on a bus coming back from a sporting event. I was working at Jack in the Box. Oh, the joys of high school. Oh, the joys of high school and working fast food. I do think one other thing, though, once the uh, coach of the Cardinals comes back, and that being Yadier Molina, and he's back behind the plate and being able to coach and manage the field from the field, I think just maybe, just maybe, the pitching staff might be able to turn some things around and we can become more consistent on our wins. For those wondering, Yadi's been down in the DR. Uh, he's been coaching, and you know he's been kind of he's on a he's on the IL at the moment too. But he's also coaching and kind of helping some of the prospects that are down that way as well. Kind of giving back to the community back in the Dominican Republic where he is from. I did see the other day that Yadier Molina was kicked out of a sporting event down in the DR. Um, I don't remember if it was basketball or football. He was coaching basketball and apparently got kicked out. Which he, I had no idea Yachty could coach basketball. I would be thinking there would be more baseball down there because a lot of the players coming through the DR right now are baseball players. I mean, they do have a small, they do have a few basketball players that have come through the DR as well. So uh, some interesting things that I've seen so far with uh, the trade deadline coming up and, you know, the Cardinals being so heavily involved with the whole Juan Soto situation, it's basically there's a lot of talk of who the Cardinals are going to have to give up to give get Juan Soto. And basically with the Nationals, they are, they are just so adamant of what they want. They are so adamant of what they want. They want at least a th- four to five prospects or ready or baseball player or players that have had time in the major leagues. And if they are not, you are not offering that they will not even listen to you and they will just cut off the conversation almost immediately. That's why so many teams have been kind of like interested for like a second. And then all of a sudden up, they're out of the race almost immediately. And I think the right now, the only two teams that are really talking heavily involved are the Cardinals and the Padres and even the Padres. I don't know if they even have enough cap space or let alone who they would have to give up in order to acquire somebody like Juan Soto. Yeah, I, when it comes to the Padres, I, they got so much money tied up in players right now that it's Machado, Tatis, Musgrove. And you know, the thing is, too, uh, another thing that keeps coming up with this whole Juan Soto thing is the fact that they're wanting to get rid of Patrick Corbin. Uh, isn't uh, Hosmer still sitting there on salary cap in, uh, in San Diego? San yeah. Diego, yeah. I mean, if the Cardinals are going to want them. It's going to cost the farm system here in St. Louis a big chunk. Uh, last I saw, I believe uh, Norman Gorman was on the list of being traded to Washington for Juan Soto, along with Dylan Carlson and a couple others. I've been seeing it's more actually Jordan Walker and Dylan Carlson, they two names that I'm surprised that they haven't thrown out there have uh, been O'Neill and Bader, and neither one of like the, and they I think they were there at first, and then they kind of like subsided, and now it's just been Dylan Carlson has been like the centerpiece around that trade, and then it's Jordan Walker, it's uh, Win, and apparently it's uh, McGee or Mc, or McGreeve. Or something like that so from one of from down in like double A, and then the thing is, I think 
what's really holding up with the Cardinals is the fact that, you know, if they have to take on Patrick Corbin, how much are, is Washington really willing to pay off that contract? Because it's, this is, this, I don't know if you've looked up the stats of this to Patrick Corbin and this is basically his statistics are, is not matching what he is making right now. So listen, listen to this shit. Basically, this is, this is Patrick Corbin's contract. He is still owed for 2022. You know, he's already made, he's already getting paid the 22 and a half million. He's getting paid this year for 2023. He was owed 24.4 million in 2024. He is owed $35.4 million. I don't see the nationals covering those type of, of numbers to with them leaving. And here's it. Okay. So are you ready for the stats? Oh yeah. <laughs> it is amazing. He is only 33 years old, but he has struggled so bad this year. 5.87 ERA. And he's only thrown 99 and two thirds innings. Yeah, that's that's unacceptable. I mean, that is that's... way too much money to be acquiring a pitcher that is supposed to be making so much money, and yet it's not even. I don't think he's even making it past out the fourth or fifth inning. At ninety nine pitches, you're averaging. I know they're saying five and uh, some change on on the runs per game, but that's you really look at that. It's probably about six or seven runs a game that he's giving up right now. And he's not getting many strikeouts. He's not getting the ground balls. And and a case can be made that the fact that, you know, the Nationals are going through a lull. They're going through a rebuilding process. And it's kind of continued on. I mean, they're 30 games under 500. And this is a team that actually won the fucking World Series not less than, what, two seasons ago? Yeah, I mean it's been it's been not too long ago, but if you really look at it, the Nationals have been, you know, struggling and doing a rebuild since Bryce Harper left the team. Well, they won the World Series directly the year after that. And they acquired Josh Bell. You know, Soto's been coming up through the ranks and now he is what he is now. You know, he's a th- he's not going to hit 60, 70 home runs. He's still going to pop 30, 40 home runs. That's been his average basically, 100, 120 RBIs. He's a good, consistent player. They have Josh Bell. They have a few other decent players on that team. It's just their pitching has just been terrible. And we're not here to dissect pretty much the Nationals' issues, you know, because this is a St. Louis sports show. But it is the fact that, you know, maybe, just maybe, getting Corbin out of there would be beneficial to him. And, you know, if you brought him to St. Louis – we have a history here in St. Louis of taking on, well, I don't know if you really want to say lost pitchers or pitchers that are just kind of on the decline. And granted, Dave Duncan was the master of this, of taking these pitchers and just suddenly getting something else out of them. I mean, Kyle Loesch, Jeff Supon, uh, Jared. Uh, oh, I can't. I mean, and it's not just about, you know, like you said, it's not about dissecting the Washington Nationals pitching and them as a team. But pitching throughout the league is down. Pitching throughout the league has changed over the last few years with the way that they're managing how pitchers are now. It used to be you played strategically as Tony LaRusso would, where you'd bring in a lefty to face a righty. You would... You have matchups, and 
Major League Baseball got rid of that a few years ago, and we've seen it with the Cardinals organization where a pitcher comes in, hits the first two batters, and the third batter is scared to death to even step in the box. Happened against the Washington Nationals, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, next thing you know, Cardinals are down by three because of a home run where we can't take pitchers out of out of sticky situations anymore. Right. And the pitcher I was thinking about was Jeff Weaver. Oh, yep, Weaver. We got Weaver in a midseason trade and then, you know, flipped him on his ear and then he left again right after that for the 07 season. And, you know, he signed a big fat deal to go out. I think it was back to California somewhere. But you're right, though. They the the starting pitching position has started to become almost secondary because you got teams like the Tampa Bay Rays that basically are using an opener. They'll send a guy out there for an inning, maybe two innings. He'll get a few outs, probably have to give up, end up giving up a few runs. And then they turn it over to their bullpen. The, I'm almost, I'm saying this that the Tampa Bay Rays probably have like one of the most overworked bullpens besides ours and besides the Chicago Cubs at this point in the season. I don't know. Boston's got a pretty uh, deep bullpen with losing twenty eight to five yesterday and having to keep going through pitchers left yeah, and right. Yeah, that that game was insane, especially with the uh, what was that inside the park grand slam from Toronto. Yeah, that was uh, that was quite. Um, Comical. You don't, that's not something you see every day. I've never seen, I've seen an inside the park three run home run, but I've never seen an inside the park grand slam, especially in Boston of all places. You know, I mean, we look at, we, we were talking about this the other day with uh, how Fenway is set up. Basically, you know, it's like three, I want to say, what was it? 340 towards left. And then you get in up towards like center field and it has like a couple of angles where it cuts in and goes from like 380 back to like th- up to 385 back down to 360. And then it's like 406. And somehow I still don't know how he missed their center fielder for the Red Sox missed that ball in the lights. And then he turns around and he doesn't even go for it. No, he completely he, gave up on the play. Yeah, he completely gives up on the play, and his left fielder has to come in, slide in, and throw the ball in. And by the time that happens, the batter for Toronto is pretty much rounding third. I mean, I don't know what the score of the game was at the time. Um, but, I mean, it may have been something where he was just like, look, we're already down by 20 runs. Is this Grand Slam really going to make too much of a difference? I mean, yeah, well, with that mentality, he really shouldn't have been playing on the field at that point. I mean, if you're if you're not still playing, even though you're down by twenty something runs, your ass still needs to be trying. Otherwise, you know, Boston's organization kind of needs to look at this guy like, okay, do we really want this kind of fucking asshole playing on the field right now? I mean, clearly, Boston needs to look at their organization to begin with that they're losing twenty five to five against Toronto. I think it was at a 28 to five. Yeah. 28 to five. You've thrown that score out a few different times and it's not any better each time. Yeah. 28 to five, you know, against Toronto of all teams. Well, Hey, you can't, you can't negate Toronto. They actually have a pretty decent team up in Toronto and year. It's, they haven't really won, you know, they haven't won shit since the early nineties. You know, they haven't been really a playoff contender in years, but this year seems a little bit different with all the young players they got. I mean, Vlad jr. Uh, Bo Bichette, when they came to St. Louis, they looked pretty damn good, if you ask me. Oh, they looked great when they came to St. Louis. I mean, good actually, thing. We actually got to see him live. I thought that was awesome. Good thing for Paul Goldschmidt with the uh, late innings uh, heroics of a yeah. uh, walk-off Grand Slam. Yes, sir. 
But back to your statement about the walls, uh, what we were actually talking about was how the prospect league has deeper walls than some of the major league baseball teams. Yeah, a couple weeks ago we went to uh, the Springfield uh, Lucky Horseshoes and saw some pretty good baseball up that way. And, you know, few balls hit what would have been out of a normal major league stadium. It wasn't even warning track power in this stadium in, in uh, Springfield. What would have been home runs in uh, Fenway Park? True. You just got to hit over the green monster for sure, though. So, okay, Juan Soto, yes or no? What do you think? I'd say yes. He's already got the blessing from uh, El Hombre, Albert Pulos, number five. Uh, he was definitely given that blessing at the Home Run Derby uh, before Juan Soto knocked him out of the Derby um, after some questionable antics by Kyle Schwarberg in the first round. But, yeah, I give Juan Soto a thumbs up. I would, too. Again, it just depends on what we're giving up and what we're having to take on, you know. I mean, the Cardinals are not the type of team to sign somebody to a huge, massive, long-term deal past 10 years. And he is wanting to, I mean, if we don't re-sign Soto after the two years of his contract run out, you know, we pick up his contract and we still have to pay him what he's getting paid, you know, we are not historically known to fork over uh, 15-year deals worth $500 million. No, I mean... We we saw this uh, year years ago with the whole Albert Pujols leaving the Cardinals for the uh, Angels at the time uh, before he got let go from there and went to the Dodgers. But the thing with the Cardinals is that we have such a deep farm system that we do not need to put extra emphasis on long term deals because as we've seen in the past, even on a ten year deal, you know, two three years in, you're injured. I mean, look at the Mets, and they're still paying uh, Bobby for how many more seasons? Uh, I think uh, I want to say 12, 13 more years. That was on a long deal, on long-term deal. I mean, it was only, I think it was only like a like a seven-year deal, and it was only for like 60-some-odd million dollars, but, you know, they did the deferred payments. It's it's still, kill, it, it's, it's hilarious because every July 1st is Bobby Bonilla Day. After that expires, and I think in 2035, He'll be seventy something years old when it expires. Yeah, and what still what what makes me laugh is the fact that Chris Davis from the Baltimore Orioles is going to be getting paid long past that. He gets paid seventeen point five million dollars this season. He has not played since twenty eighteen. I mean, if it's me and I was able to make it to that kind of stage. I think I'd take a deferment payment nowadays. I would definitely take a deferred payment. You know, you get that one, you try to save up as much as possible. You don't do jack shit pretty much all year. And then July 1st, you cash a $1.5 million contract. That's what Bobby Bonilla pretty much does at this point. Chris Davis, on the other hand, he's getting 17.5 this year. And then from 2023 until 2032, he gets paid 3.5 every single July 1st. After that, it turns into, I think it turns back to like 1.5 or 2.1 million until 2043. I mean, I could make a good uh, chunk of change in living off of a million dollars a month let me, or a year. I mean, yeah, pretty much anybody can make anybody, anybody in their right mind wouldn't 
accept that kind of contract and be like, oh shit, I'm getting paid $1.5 million to basically not play baseball right now for the New York Mets or Baltimore Orioles. I mean, as long as you're not Allen Iverson, I think you can make that $1 million uh, last year, the whole year, but he had some rough times. Allen Iverson? I don't know where that that name came from, but okay. <sighs> All right. I think we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk a little blues hockey and uh, the madness that has been the offseason for the St. Louis Blues after kind of a weird situation coming through in the playoffs. Don't you go anywhere. Listen to some uh, St. Louis-style music right here on the Best of Everything SDL, Beyond FM. Everything STL. You're goddamn right. Beyond FM.
It is the best of everything STL Beyond FM. What's happening? It's uh, the Hat Tricks with Patrick Pat and Doug back in the studio. Time to talk a little blues hockey and the disappointment that has been pretty much the 2022 offseason for St. Louis Blues fans. It seems like right now, Doug Armstrong, who, you know, in seasons past, I would say he has been kind of like the saving grace like he has been like the dream GM that the blues fans wish they had had pretty much for the last about 20 some odd years, you know, cause pretty much during the nineties, I think when you look back at the names that the blues had with Scott Stevens, you know, their grant Fuhrer, they brought in Gretzky. They had Holly. They, for a while they had Peter Nedved. There were so many great players in the nineties that the blues had. And granted, Mike Keenan was a piece of shit but the organization was able to bring these names in Armstrong is trying to kind of like brought that mentality back and he is making good decisions up until I want to say this off season. Well, the thing with army is you, he builds these teams in, in the off season. We are definitely not a playoff team in the off season, but whatever he does, once they get into camp and throughout the season, it may take four goalies. But he will guarantee us at least the first round of the playoffs. At least the first round of the playoffs, yeah. And I think right now we're, we'd be lucky if we made it to the first round with what what has gone on pretty much this offseason. So starting way back, uh, Robert Thomas gets paid eight years, $64 million. Nick Letty gets paid four years, $16 million. However, they lose. David Perron, who is pretty much one of their main goal scorers for the season. They were in talks to acquire Matthew Kachuk, the St. Louis in big Walt's son, the one that we actually want here. Nothing against Brady, but Matt is the type of player that we definitely need. He's a body. He's a big body forward that throws his weight around. Isn't afraid to get in dirty and will score goals. 
Brady, I don't know if he's in that position yet. You know, he's got the C up in Ottawa, but Matt is the guy we were trying to get. And we were pretty much willing to offer up a good chunk of money and good chunk of players. We were trying to acquire through a four-team trade with not only Calgary, but I think there for a while, uh, the Islanders and even the fucking uh, Panthers were involved in this situation. But out of nowhere, Panthers throw this deal out and Matt Kachuk and Johnny Huberto switch places in Calgary and Florida. Yeah, I think with the big four-way trade, uh, Tarasenko is huge in that. Uh, but I don't believe the Islanders were willing to pick up what is left on his contract here in St. Louis. $7.5 million. And that's a that was a big holding point. We, what we have tied up in number 91 is what lost us David Perron. I don't think it's I don't think it was what lost us David Perron is the fact that it came down to we needed defensemen and we need or we needed goal scoring. And Army went with the defense, which, you know, let's put it like let's put it this way. Marco Scandella, when we brought him in for the first part of, I want to say, 2020, he was actually really decent. For the 2019-2020 season, he was actually really decent. And then we signed him to a long-term deal, and he just has not produced. He's been injured. He hasn't really done much. He's, his plus-minus is not showing up what it needs to in order for the money that he's making. We did the same thing with Nick Letty. We acquired Nick Letty at the trade deadline, and we turn around and give him a, I wouldn't say long-term, but a four-year deal worth $16 million, and it came down to Nick Letty or David Perron. We are so close to the cap. We had to make a choice. Army made, decided to make that choice, and he basically sent, you know, basically gave Perron up to go to Detroit for barely $200,000. Here's the big thing, though. I mean, if we look at the Blues, even the year they won the Stanley Cup, the 2019-2020 season, they are not— 2018-2019. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. They year are, before. Year before. They are not a huge defensive team. Their defense has struggled over the last several years. Um, and with Colton Prinko being the add-on captain of the defense— He's he can't stay healthy. He's not healthy. So I see where Army had to choose defense and signing defensive players over keeping Perron. And I think Colton's in the last year of his contract now. It was a five year, fifty five million dollar deal. Yeah, this is the last year for him. So he's if he wants to get paid somewhere else or if he wants to stay in St. Louis, he has to prove something this year. It's not just been the injuries. It's the fact that he is, you know, he's a liability on the ice and you don't need that out of your defense. You need somebody that's going to be reliable. You know, I'll say it, Nick Letty was pretty reliable on defense. Uh, I think uh, Gunnarsson was pretty reliable without the broken stick issues. You know, Miko Mikula was actually pretty reliable. But Pareko has these tendencies. You know, he's got the big shot. You know, he's he's shows flashes of brilliance, and he just has what you know. It's prototypical uh, the Jekyll and Hyde syndrome. He shows flashes of brilliance. We believe it's there. It's almost like a Sasquatch type of thing. You believe it's there. You want to believe it's there. You want to believe that he has this ability, and then he shows these flashes of brilliance. And then he just goes right back out the window. Two seconds later, he's uh, passing the puck in the middle of the ice. And 
Two seconds later, he literally sits right next to Vili Husso and Avalanche score with 5.6 seconds left to go in the third period of a tied game to knock us out of the playoffs. Oh, I mean, you brought up a point there. I mean, Colton was standing right next to a goalie that is no longer a St. Louis Blues. Which we traded him out to Detroit, and the Detroit Red Wings are starting to look like the St. Louis Blues, but that's another story. I mean, we have a goalie issue now. We have Jordan Bennington. Great to start the season. Then Bennington does what all St. Louis Blues goalies do and fizzles out about midway season. And we look to our backup goalie. It's the goalie carousel every single year. We have had we have had a goalie carousel pretty much since the Grant Fuhrer, Curtis Joseph days of the 90s. The, the goalie we brought up to replace Bennington in the playoffs, we let him go. I believe he's with Washington now. Uh, Chucky, Chucky Lindgren. Chucky Sadburn. So, yeah, so... Well, it wasn't even just it wasn't even Lindgren, Billy Huso. We traded him out to Detroit. Uh, Chucky Lindgren, who actually had a great showing in his six, five or six games that he was with the Blues during the season, he was fucking undefeated. He had two shutouts and also took the uh, minor league team all the way to the championship game. Yeah, to the Calder Cup. He had this. He had. <laughs> It does not. It still does not compute with me. I still don't understand how this happened. Is the fact that you trade off Billy Huso? Okay, you have Chucky Lindgren, pretty much sitting in the wings, waiting in the wings. You let him sign with Washington to basically back up, and most likely he's going to end up being the starter there because uh, I wouldn't trust Darcy Kemper's eyesight at this point in time. No, not after what happened in this past season. So. Yeah, I, there's a possibility Darcy Kemper, who just got paid himself to play with the Washington Washington Capitals, he might not make it through the entire season because of eye issues. So Lindgren is going to have potential to start for Washington. So what, he, what does Armstrong do? He decides to bring in Thomas Grice from Detroit on a one-year deal birth, worth barely $8.5 million. I mean, and if you're not look, eight and a half million, eight or like, I think it's like a league minimum, like 1.5 million or something like that. And if you look at, we're, we're picking up from a team that has struggled and both offensive and goalies over the last few seasons. Yeah. Detroit's not any better. Detroit has not. Detroit is a far cry from what it was during the nineties and the early two thousands. I will. I mean, I will say this though. I, I, I do kind of look forward to watching some Detroit games this season. One, because it's the Detroit blues at this point, David Perron, Oscar Sunquist, Billy Huso. It's four or five blues players in Detroit now. Yeah. You're not wrong. And you're not wrong. If they repeat history every year after Colorado wins the Stanley cup, the Red Wings win the following season, if not two seasons. Uh, this is true. I mean, Detroit, they have a young nucleus up in Detroit, not to blow uh, smoke up the Red Wings' ass because, you know, I still have hatred for the whole seat, for the whole 90s situation. You know, you ask an actual Red Wings fan. I asked an actual Red Wings fan who their biggest rival was, and they said it was Colorado. They don't even consider us a rival. We're basically just like the team that really hates them, and they, they're not even paying attention to us. Well, I mean, that, that rivalry's died out throughout the years after, you know, all the goalies, the great goalies that were of the 90s, you know, finally retired, and the leagues kind of got changed up a little bit. 
you know, we don't see Detroit like we used to. We don't see Dallas as much as we used to. Well, we see, well, Dallas is in the same conference as us. I mean, Detroit, I, I understand why we don't see them nearly as much because they're now in the East and we're still in the West. But, you know, Dallas, I'd say we're still, uh, we're still, that's still a heavy favorite as like one of our main, uh, Main rivals right now. I say between right now, I, I, the the two that we we have the biggest ones with would be I think Nashville, just because they're right down the road from us, and Colorado, because of you know the whole situation with the last this last season's playoffs. Well, even with before that, I mean the yeah. last few years. Uh, oh, and don't forget about Minnesota. Minnesota is. To made the Blues look kind of silly on the ice a few times during the playoffs here in the last few years. Uh, not real, not necessarily. I wouldn't say during the playoffs, during the regular season. I mean, the Blues have had a better overall record during the regular season. We knocked them out of the playoffs, I think, the last two times we faced them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was the case because I think it was 2016 we faced them in the playoffs. We knocked them out in six. And then just this past year, we knocked them out in six as well. I think it was during the regular season you might be thinking that one. It might be. Another signing for the Blues, and this one is a complete and total head-scratcher. So they want to get some big bodies on the fourth line. You know, they've been kind of missing that since uh, they traded off Reaver. And also getting rid of Pat Maroon. We're letting Pat Maroon walk. So who do they bring in? to pretty much play on the fourth line. Noel Achari for one year and a 1.25 million. He's 30 years old, spent the last three seasons with Florida. Before that, where did he, where was he at? Where at? He was in Boston. What is he most known for? Probably another hit on the blues. No, 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 no. He got, he got tangled up. I think it was with Gunnarsson. Or no, it was with Shen that led to the Perron goal in game five. Was that the knee-on-knee tangle-up? Uh-huh. And he sat there looking for a penalty while the play almost half-assed stopped, but no whistle, and Perron ends up scoring. And his career has not been the same since then. 307 career games, 121 points. He's five foot, he's 5'10", 209. <laughs> it just does not make any sense why they would bring him in. He's not, he's not a, he's not going to produce much and he's not really the biggest body. They're going to throw around on the ice. But will have chemistry with one other player on the team from that same team that the blues beat in the Stanley cup, Tory Krug, which Tory Krug's been rumored to be on the trading block along with Tarasenko, along with uh, Perunovic and Walker, even though they just re-signed for a couple of years. It's just I'm not expecting too much coming from the Blues this coming season. I think the Blues really shot themselves in the foot. One, when they let the big rig just walk. I mean, they didn't even really try to they keep tried. They tried, but they kind of screwed them around just a little bit too much. Army kept on telling, telling them, like, hey, don't take these contracts. Don't do that. Don't do this. Just let me figure it out. Let me figure it out. And to this day, I think Army's still kicking himself. And, you know, Pat's, I don't know if Pat's pissed off as much as his dad was fucking annoyed more than anything. His old man got really ticked off at this whole situation. He turned down 
four different contract offers for at least four years up to about $36 million either to go play in Detroit, go to play in Edmonton, in Vancouver, of all places. Even the fucking Islanders were willing to pay up. He turned it down because he trusted Armstrong, and Army wanted to bring him back. Army couldn't do it. And so he signs barely a one-year deal, league minimum again. He took a pay cut to come to St. Louis because he wanted to be near his kid. He wanted to play at home, and he expected to be treated just a little bit better Army kind of dicked him around just a little too much, and that's why he left. Well, his dad told him from the get-go uh, not to come back to St. Louis, that there'd be too much pressure on him as the local hometown boy, and he did. He came back for the league minimum one-year deal, won the Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues. Blues dick him around. He goes to Tampa. What's he do? Wins, Wins the two next straight. two seasons. <laughs> he He's won three Stanley Cups in the last four seasons. One's got an asterisk next to it because it was the Bubble Cup. But, hey, a Stanley Cup is oh, a Stanley Cup. Oh, come on. Don't call it the Bubble Cup because that kind of diminishes it. It's still the hardest winning – hardest winning. The Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win in all sports. Going into the Stanley Cup in the COVID lockdown, the St. Louis Blues were on a runaway path for the Stanley Cup in back-to-back seasons. True. Jordan Bennington could not see or stop a puck when it came to the bubble. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of issues against Vancouver, and I th- think we lost in five. I don't even know if we won a single game in the bubble due to the fact that no, they the, had a couple. The initial bubble, no, we did not. But then we faced off against Vancouver in the first round and kind of got the shit beat out of us. So, like all most sports that season, you know, they all have asterisks next to the Stanley Cup the, or the big trophy of the season. But, hey, Pat Maroon, congratulations, man. That's three and four years, and you've been to the Stanley Cup Finals for the last four consecutive years. I was kind of hoping he would get the fourth one in a row. Yeah, only because it was – well, I mean, here's the thing. This Stanley Cup, I did not want Colorado to win at all. One, because it's Colorado. But two – kind of wanted to see Tampa Bay lose because it's time for somebody else to hoist the cup. I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't agree with that. I hated that. I love the fact that they won it three years in a row. I wanted to see him win three years in a row. I thought that would have been kind of funny just I mean, to see. Cause so how many people all of a sudden are like, no, I don't want Tampa Bay to win. Well, get some fucking team that needs to stop him. Just not fucking Colorado. I mean, Pat Maroon is a dynasty in his self. The only people in front of Pat Maroon is the New York Islanders when they won four consecutive <laughs> Stanley Cups. Pat Maroon is right there with them with the most series wins. Two different on two different teams, the Blues and the and the Lightning. That's amazing. Most consecutive uh round or semi series, or series wins. wins. Series wins by a single player is Pat Maroon. I think it was 16 straight on league minimum guys. This is yeah. league minimum. This and he's is a doing league minimum player. I wouldn't say he's doing it by himself. You know, I mean with, the, you know, he had the blues with him at first and then he had to get, get to play with Steven Stamkos. So, and among other players down there, we are going to take another break. going to come back and we're going to bring out a interesting segment. You ready for it, Doug? I'm always ready. We're going to bring out some St. Louis sports stories. All right. We'll be right back right here on Beyond FM. The best of everything STL. 
Beyond FM. I have a fetish for women's clothes. I like to wear, you know. What? Tell me. You like to wear what? Panties. I'm going to take my head off so my brain can breathe. <laughs> Think I'm off the tweak, but really it's worse, yo, this music got me geek, what I would do for a little bit of sleep, cause I be up for a week just trying to find a beat, hush, I'm on some dream shit, bigger than it seems shit, one pencil, let me straight the certified fiend shit, introducing a looser step of our dream, big. two-stepping like Houston, we need to keep them under wraps, got a blast, rocket strap to my liver, I be lifting off quicker than flash with some liquor, pick a day and time, I'll ride by my lonely, whoa, the only one, I'm only one with the poly leaf. You holy, holy shit, uh Let go your trilogy Your whole clique, a bunch of clones, no similes My written's read like a misfit soliloquy Picture me whipping round the city in a shitty Jeep Cause talk is cheap, silence worth a milli, uh But we been broke for a minute, guess I'm spilling Till we filling up the stands Killing no more stands, it's riddled with cancer Damn, somebody got an answer for this Put your hands up, dance a little Jam some middle of the mad shit Chance to drizzle where we hizzle up in the rat hole I'ma be blackballed for half raw tracks ending up in your dad's jaw like hold up i need a drink y'all so watered down matter of fact make it three i'm like hold up i need a shrink thoughts so loud neighbors knocking me some peace i'm like hold up i need a drink y'all so watered down matter of fact make it three i'm like hold up i said hold up I'm from the show me, show me something I ain't seen before So many come and go, I've been here before the flows Record my soul when I die, it's like a rolling stone If I stand the test of time, I'm a rolling stone It's a rocky road, knocking at Baraka's dough Locking low, one shot at popping, dropping something dope Top it slow-mo, I'm more like a blocker, yo Bless you with my fingertips like you, you, Hawkins show My cool few, but I got this, bro I mean, who knew I would be dropping flows Back in school they used to mock them, so no wonder when I grew up, they act cool, trying to copy notes, I will low regardless, my pencil be bombarding, another starving artist, but you could call me sergeant, five stars on the collar, boy, I'm calling shots, hoping I don't have to die to make it to the top, hold up, I need a drink, y'all so watered down, matter of fact, make it three, I'm like, hold up, I need a shrink, thoughts so loud, neighbors knocking, need some peace, I'm like, hold up. I need a drink, y'all so watered down, matter of fact, make it three, I'm like, hold up, I said hold up, I said hold up. It's the best of everything STL Beyond FM here on your Monday night. It's Hat Tricks with Patrick and uh, Doug Moore in the studio. Thank you for joining me along for the start of this new show. Oh, not a problem. Thank you. So we are going to start a new segment here. And every week I want to try to do something different. You know, one of my favorite things is to always hear like different stories, like local legends and stuff like that. And you being a massive wrestling fan. Oh yeah. Just like me, who would you say would be the toughest guy that you had ever heard of? Not inside the ring, but outside the ring. That's from St. Louis. Not so, not from St. Louis, but overall in general. Well, I know it's not Andre the Giant because, uh, well, he was he was packing on a different type of punch when he was outside of the wrestling ring. I would probably say, uh, I don't, you know, I really don't know. 
What if I said the name King Haku? I could see that. The the legend is that King Haku, you know, he is the one guy you don't ever want to fuck with. He is the kind of guy like he if you don't show him respect, he will fucking eat your lunch and then eat your head and come back for seconds. That there is so there are so many stories of uh Tonga as he's also known. You know, he's he, he's respected throughout the wrestling business as being the toughest guy in and out of the ring, the one guy you don't ever want to fuck with in general. So the story goes, and this is if this is your first time hearing this. Oh uh, yeah, this is my first time hearing this. Okay, one. so the story goes: they do a show in the I don't want to say it was the late seventies, early eighties, around uh, St. Louis, and I believe it's NWA. He is wrestling for uh, NWA St. Louis and comes in with Ric Flair, and I think it was. Uh, Oh gosh, I can't remember. There, there's a lot of other wrestlers that were supposed to be here for this, and they're over in East St. Louis, not the East St. Louis now, but remember East St. Louis during the '70s and '80s, and basically at one of the establishments over there, they're drinking, they're having a good time. You know, it's getting to be like three or four in the morning, and there's a couple of guys that are starting shit with a few of the wrestlers. They call them the fake fucking assholes and shit and start talking all sorts of shit. And that's one thing you don't want to say to somebody like Haku because he didn't take it as fake. You watch his matches. He didn't. There was nothing fake about Haku. He held back a little bit, but he could definitely fucking eat your fucking head. And he would use a lot of Muay Thai in the early days of Muay Thai, in the early days of jujitsu. Some of the moves apparently... He had a guy up by his neck. He also ends up biting a chunk out of a man's back during this fight and throws three policemen through a glass window in East St. Louis. And afterwards, after, you know, the NWA has to take care of it and they get him out of jail and they basically say, look, he's never allowed back in the city of St. Louis again. That's crazy. I mean, you know, the wrestling's changed a lot over the over the years since the seventies and the NWA. I mean, back then that was one of the major promotions for wrestling. Mm. Um, now, you know, promotions are popping up left and right, and it's more of a entertainment aspect. Where in the seventies, no, it was still it was still considered real. Knockdown, drag out it was, brawls. It was still considered real, but they talked. There was a guy. There were people that didn't that didn't uh, adhere to a lot of the rules and adhere to a lot of the situations and whatnot. And they still take like kayfabe outside of the ring. And you know, there was a lot of people that would call it fake. There was nothing fake about Haku. Haku, you know, he would he could kill you if he wanted to. I mean, one. I mean, current wrestler. Recently re- retired, uh, the phenom, the Undertaker, he stayed in kayfabe, stayed in character the whole entire time. Mm-hmm. No matter if he was inside the ring, outside the ring, he never broke character. You're not wrong. There's not a wrong random photo of him and some old lady where he is dressed up as the Undertaker that everyone thought was his grandmother for the longest time. He recently came out and said, I don't even know who this lady is. I don't know where we were at, but it must have been something wrestling uh, oriented because I'm dressed up in the Undertaker gear. Yeah. 
I mean, but yeah, King Haku just throwing throwing police through uh, through windows, biting backs out of people, and is basically barred from the city of St. Louis. He has not returned, as far as my knowledge is, to the city of St. Louis. He's also barred from ever going back to Baltimore because he did almost the same thing in Baltimore. But he is not allowed to come back to the city of St. Louis. Two of the roughest cities in the United States. The murder murder capitals of the world. And this man made it out and made it out alive and just has been told he's never allowed back. I mean, looking at the cities now, though, I mean, I don't blame him. (laughs) And we live in one of them. (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Hattricks with Patrick and Doug. Make sure you uh, keep it right here for more St. Louis music. We'll see you next week here on Beyond FM.